Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. In this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with a student in our class of 2020, Tim Hardy. Tim is a Gimba format student, and he is in the process of launching a business with one of his classmates. And we recently sat down to talk a little bit more about how he decided to pursue an MBA, what led him to Darden, and how things are going with his startup venture. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tim Harvey. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate you having me. All right. So for our listeners, we start all these podcasts the same way. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, who are you and what's your background? Definitely. Uh, my name is Tim Harvey. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I currently live in New York City. I have been working in finance for the past 10 years. And I went to the University of South Alabama for undergrad. So was an MBA something you had thought about for a long time? Has it always been a plan of yours? Was it a recent idea? Tell us a little bit more about that. No, it's a great question. I sat on the idea for quite a long time. Um, It got to a point where it was time to make a decision. And I was considering a variety of schools. And when Darden came up and I had an opportunity to visit campus, it was a perfect fit. Uh, It was time to make a move. And, you know, business school came into play for me because I had somewhat of a varied background. I was always passionate about entrepreneurial endeavors and new companies, had the financial experience, um, as well as some athletic experience in college. And, and, uh, you know, after that, I was looking for a way to put it all in a box and tie it up in some type of presentable bow. Um, you know, looking forward to to packaging what I think I can really bring to the table. So it was a great uh, mesh for me and perfect timing. So you had mentioned that you had thought about an MBA for a long time, which for some of the folks listening to this podcast may feel familiar. Uh, what was the tipping point for you? Uh, what was the moment when you realized I got to do this now, or if I wait any longer, was there like an aha moment, something that clicked in? Yeah, I had an opportunity to speak with a couple people during uh, during my process, and there were three or four folks who looked at me and, and realized that I had passions elsewhere outside of finance. And uh, it got to the point where I was sitting across the table from uh, Rich Barrera, a good friend of mine, and uh, a couple other people, and they basically just said, it's time, uh, time to take the leap. And I think when I went to Charlottesville, had an opportunity to start meeting some of the professors and the staff. I was just so impressed and was looking forward to having the support of the community that uh, it was it was time, and they were right. And so you mentioned you worked in finance, but you had always had this sort of entrepreneurial interest. What about entrepreneurship appeals to you? Uh, sort of, you know, what's pushed you in that way? Great question. I think it's the utilization of a multitude of skill sets. The ability to wake up each day and, you know, that's said somewhat frequently that each day is different and you're excited. But in entrepreneurship, it truly is. There isn't one day that's similar. Um, Tasks are varied. And whether you're doing advisory, whether you're doing investing in startups or working, you know, co-founding a startup as I am now, um, I don't think there is a, a lack of tasks or challenges. And so the prioritization of those and the ability to then see things through um, and own them was really appealing to me. And I think, uh, 
you know, the support of my incredible classmates who, if I could name them each one by one, uh, I would, but we'd be here for a couple of days. Uh, but it's, it, you know, having a platform to build from and then, um, yeah, some of the, the freedom that goes with entrepreneurship and, and, uh, the ability to really build things, love building. So let's talk a little bit more about your, your current startup. Um, I realize you're, you're very much still in the sort of, you know, gestational phases. Things are starting to come together here. Um, but tell us a little bit more about what you're working on. Definitely. Uh, it's called Owl Peak Labs. Uh, we're trying to simplify early stage diagnostic imaging within your GI tract. And it came about, we had the opportunity to, to license some technology that we believe uh, can introduce a new phase of imaging into the diagnostic process. Uh, we're very excited. Uh, my co-founders, uh, Tyson Bell, so hopefully MD, hopefully you'll have him on soon, and, uh, and Max Quinlan. Um, you know, we're very excited for the opportunity to build this company and we couldn't have picked a more challenging space, uh, one that's somewhat slow to innovate, but I would also argue uh, ripe for innovation. So uh, very excited. Yeah, I wasn't hearing a lot of healthcare in your background or a lot of, a lot of biotech or, uh, when you were introducing yourself, are you surprised that you have chosen this particular path or did you, you always been interested in biotech? Oh no. If you would have asked me, uh, five years ago, two years ago, maybe even a year ago, I don't think we would have been having the same conversation. Um, but the opportunity presented itself in a way that, um, I was surrounded by smart people, Tyson being one. And we sat down and took a critical look at, the technology and what we thought we could achieve. And we agreed that um, if we could see this through, it would be impactful to not only, you know, people around the world, but also um, in an important space. Uh, oncology is a, a real challenge at the moment. And obviously cancer is of the utmost concern. And for us, it just became very meaningful. So we decided uh, this is time. Thank goodness he's the medical doctor. Let's just make that quite clear. <laughs> so, um, how do you, how do you approach evaluating? And this might, uh, this is something I've always wondered about. You have an idea or you, you encounter an idea, you know, how, how do you go about evaluating it? Whether you think it's you know something worth pursuing or, or not pursuing, particularly when you're perhaps in, in an area of field that you don't have a lot of personal experience with. Not a great question. I think it's varied. I am a firm believer in differentiated thought and the ability to utilize some of your personal values, but also the skill sets you amass in your toolbox over a specific set of time. And being able to pick a lens and to critically look through what the actual stages are or who the actual founders are or what the actual market opportunity is. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with startups some good, some bad, but for six or seven years now, just in my personal time and going through those iterations and seeing the different types of founders and who they are and what they believe in and how they go about their business. It set a good precedent for how we wanted to not only build this, but when you see ideas, it helps filter. I think it's easy to turn to the financials page in a deck and start looking at this hockey stick chart that just goes off the page to the right. But I think having the utmost amount of empathy and the ability to have a conversation with a founder, but truly 
get to understand their vision and then really pair it and see if they either need some more skills to execute the idea or they just have it and they might not need you at all. They might just need a good sounding board to affirm some of the things that they're working through. Um, so that's where I, I kind of sit with that. I think, you know, I, I've heard wonderful ideas and some of them work and some don't, but I think it does come down to kind of pairing that, you know, founder vision with the practical business application. And if you can see that taking place, you probably have something that's worth uh, taking a closer look at. One of the things that MJ Tones, uh, who's been here on the podcast, uh, she leads uh, educational experiences for, for the Batten Institute. Um, what she said, you know, when you talk to venture capitalists, is they're looking at the idea, but they're also looking at the team. You know, the team, who they ultimately be backing, putting money behind, is at least as important, if potentially not, not more important. Because the execution or failure probably rides on, on the people as much as, as the idea itself. Would you agree with that based on your experience? Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I would definitely agree. I think that's one of the reasons being comfortable with differentiated thought and creating a, a space where you can feel comfortable having those discussions. I think that's one of the best things about um, you know, my co-founder, Tyson Bell, we think very differently. We have very different backgrounds. Um, and yet I don't have a better teammate and we both aggressively push ideas through, but ultimately that you know, churns, I think the best ideas and we can then, um, drive home, whether it's the strategy or the execution. And, you know, we actually recently in class did the insights exam, uh, I think it's a personality test mm -hmm. and we are opposite, complete opposites. And, uh, and knowing that and being able to operate from that perspective and, and understanding that he, we both have different backgrounds and perspectives. Um, it helps us actually. I think we get the best stuff out of our team. So yes, I would agree with you. I think the teams are the most important, uh, most important part of this, this process. So where are you, uh, in the startup process right now? Um, you've got, got an idea, uh, some technology you're working with, uh, where are you on the, on that journey? Oh, great question. Depends when you release, release this then, you know, um, so we are probably two weeks away from doing our first raise and our technology has been built. We have a prototype, which is very exciting. There are multiple iterations of the prototype that need to take place. But we're moving along. I think it's interesting because this is not a traditional idea generation and execution. There is a relationship with the technologist and the parent company, um, which we're really excited about. And it's been great working with them to develop, you know, whether it's new concepts, new ideas, ways we can improve the product. Um, you know, and our team is excited for a lot of challenges ahead, whether it's the regulatory um, challenges, whether it's, you know, ensuring that we can collect the data and, um, and facilitate the end user process. You know, we're very focused on that, but we're fairly early. I think whenever you're developing any hardware, there are just natural bumps, but also pretty clear victories. And so they happen quick. Therefore, like, our goal is to just be prepared as they come along. And as we can continue to, you know, push this through, um, yeah, we just want to be ready. So, Early. <laughs> so, um, 
did you and Tyson work together? Were you on a learning team? How did you find each other uh, in, in the Charlottesville section? That's a great question. I actually think we probably argue the most in class. And, you know, I Darden's been a great – it's been the most amazing experience of my life. And, and I'll say that because I think it's opened the framework for dialogue, discussion with people you trust, and it allows ideas to be refined in class. Um, you know, the case study method and the, and the great discussions that are facilitated by the professors, I think it hammers home what can be recreated in a boardroom. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the same context as a case having, you know, almost an ending. Um, but we have a beginning. And so in class, he and I would go at it a little bit. And then uh, I think we both respected each other's process. Um, you know, I love someone who does the work and, and pays attention. And, uh, and he does that. I mean, he's brilliant. He's an incredible classmate and uh, an even more incredible co-founder. And, uh, and his wife's even more incredible. Kristen would be mad if I didn't mention her. Was it important to you when you think about your entre- entrepreneurial path uh, to do something that has this sort of broader mission, broader purpose, right? It's uh, not, not just a widget, but it's, you know, something that is, is focused on, you know, helping people be healthy or beat cancer, or what, you know, however you wanted to find the medical goal. Mm-hmm. But uh, Yes, I think, you know, working on Wall Street and being part of the financial community for a long time, it gets simple and routine to you know, judge companies. I mean, that's what you're involved with, right? The investment process is a lot of passing judgment on management teams and management. And I think one of the things personally was I got to a point where I'm like, you know, maybe I should take a swing at this. If I think I'm so smart, maybe we should see if I can participate in this as well and see if I can build something. Um, so yes, I, I think that having a mission and being mission driven for us and helping to image, um, and, and discover colorectal cancer earlier in the process, um, is one of the big headwinds to, I mean, cancer is a real problem. And so uh, if we can participate in that and help people, uh, it'd be, it'd be hopefully meaningful, impactful. And then, uh, it, it marries a lot of things Tyson and I both believe in. And I think that's why it really, uh, it hits home. So, so you're a Gimbo format student. I am. Uh, you've gotten to travel to three locations at this point, right? You've been to Brazil, China, Western Europe. You've got India on the horizon. Correct. Uh, have you been to India before? I have never been to India. I have never been very excited and looking forward to that trip. And I did pick up that global consulting project in Kenya. So nice. What, uh, uh, global consulting projects, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk too much about these on the, on the podcast. So let's uh, talk about, do you know what, what problem you're going to be working on? Uh, what, what the focus of, of that course is? It just started two weeks ago, but yes, we, uh, we're working on, are working with a biotech company in Kenya and some of their distribution. Um, so, that sounds for someone who's in the biotech space, running a startup, trying to get it off the ground. Sounds like a good opportunity to sort of do some hands-on learning, maybe see how another company is run, structured, and, and think about it. Definitely. No, very excited. And I think the entire healthcare space, especially some of the biotech space, you know, distribution globally and the lumpy versus flat conversation when it comes to how businesses integrate within communities and cultures, um, I mean, it's ever present and whether we're talking, I mean, 
regulatory being a, a serious one um, to consider, but also just the, the people and, and what works and what doesn't. So very much looking forward to that experience. Uh, I think we're going, we're trying to go, I think we were meeting with the company here in December and then we're going in February, I think. So looking forward to that. Have you been to Kenya before? I have not been. To so Kenya. a lot of firsts happening for you. This, the global, the, being a Gamba has uh, been incredible. Um, having the ability to travel and Tyson's a Gamba as well. So we have the unique ability to really uh, get intense time together. Some of my best friends have come out of this, this, uh, the Gamba program. And, you know, I, I, I never try to recommend things. I think people have to feel out what's appropriate for them and what's going to be part of their journey. But uh, the ability to study, meet companies in, in um, other countries and really get a sense for, you know, business execution on different, on different planes. Uh, I think that has been very valuable, not only in how we structure a company or run a company or try to build a company, but also looking at what fits and what doesn't and how that would work somewhere else. I think it just, again, sharpens your perspective when it comes to how you'd run a business here. What have been some of your favorite, I mean, so you mentioned getting to know your classmates really well and building these, these deep relationships, any particular experiences on, on the trip stand out for you? Um, favorite memories? Jeez. Realize that's They're, a very, that, very broad. That's broad. Question. Yes. Um, let's see. We had an incredible time. I mean, you know, every trip's been memorable, uh, in its own way. Um, you know, I think our first gamba was Brazil. And I think on one of the first days we got to go to, uh, to one of the soccer stadiums and, and meet with, uh, some of the personnel there. And, uh, that was a unique experience. Um, I played football here and seeing different cultures and communities embrace their athletic programs is pretty impressive. And we had to walk out on the field and I think they were playing the crowd noise. And I was like, I, I, this is an impressive, impressive, uh, scene. I mean, China, our China trip was incredible. Um, and having the ability to meet classmates before and after and travel um, in the areas was amazing. I think, and then let's see if I can give one more example from our European. Uh, we had an opportunity to go to Station F in, uh, in Paris, and I think that was pretty impactful, especially because Tyson and I had just opened the company maybe a week or two before. So for us to see some of that cultivation of ideas and, and how, you know, Paris, but France and, and well, the community and the country both support this innovation, right. And developed economies. They realize that innovation is going to take something different and the support that the entrepreneurs there were receiving. Um, it was very impressive. So I think that was invigorating for us. That's awesome. What are you hoping to accomplish in India? Do you have any things that you want to see or are you traveling over early? Any side trips? Uh, one of my classmates, John Shattuck, he and I with a group, I think we're going to go see the Taj Mahal after, after the, uh, that. And then I think we're going to do a couple days in the Himalayas with, uh, with a good little group. So again, very excited about that trip. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. One of the cool things is, you know, I've been lucky enough at working in finance for a long time, but also being from Chicago, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to make a variety of relationships around the world. And now that I'm going with purpose, uh, I've been able to see some people as well. So it's been, it's been great to a little network, uh, network invigorator. So you're towards the end of the program here. Uh, you've got a, a few more quarters, uh, quarter eight, nine, 10, but the end is near. Um, when you look back on your, on the experience that you've had, 
um, in addition to the people you've met and connected with, uh, and we talked a little bit about the case method too, what's been the big takeaway for you or how has the program shaped, affected how you think about, about business problems? It's completely changed who I am in a business sense, I think in a personal sense as well. It's changed my approach to business problems. It's more quizzical, um, a little bit more quiet and a little bit more analytical in a way that's empathetic. I, I, I really try to see a variety of perspectives and, um, and I'm slower to slower to come to conclusion. I think the iterations of conversation, whether it's with our professors, I can't say enough about them. I mean, uh, just how they conduct class and being in an environment where you watch them just work this, sh- you almost feel like you're in a Broadway theater watching them, uh, watching them teach a class. So I think it's really shaped how I go about some of these problems. It obviously filled in some gaps when it comes to, um, you know, the quantitative side and what we've been able to do, whether it's not running a company, but, um, you know, a lot of the financial background that I worked on years ago, but needed a refresher and then, um, forwarded some concepts as well. Uh, like our marketing class right now is, you know, we're just, we're pricing everything. I'm, I'm you know, putting prices, so it's it's been great, and I think uh, yeah, I, I really was blown away by the program. You know, I don't know what people typically expect when they go into graduate school, and especially business school. Um, and I think over time, if you if you wait long enough, you probably temper a lot of those, and then you start looking for a place where you're like, okay, well, I can finish here, I can get this degree. This was a life changing experience for me, and having a community that supported not only my transition, but uh, Tyson's as well. And uh, having a large team of very, very smart people rooting for you is pretty empowering. So, Do you feel like the experience gave you the confidence to take that next step or, you know, certainly, you know, made you feel like this is a good time to pursue an entrepreneurial idea? I don't know if there's ever a good time. Um, but I think in class when you're around so many smart people on a consistent basis and you realize that on some level you're pacing. So maybe your idea is not too far off or your contribution or this project or this paper. I think that shapes how you can then build more confidence and, and it gives you a language to speak about business problems, financials and to people. Um, and I think that's really what pushed me to, you know, I mean, look, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that this opportunity was going to come up, but also very excited for it because we have an opportunity to do something pretty impactful. And, um, but you know, without Darden, I never would have met Tyson. So, uh, fighting in class apparently leads to co-founding companies. <laughs> well, it's good for people to hear that. I think, um, we always feel, you know, to your earlier point that, the value in the experience, I mean, obviously you're going to get a lot out of it for a variety of reasons, but one of the key reasons is you are around people with different backgrounds than your own who think about problems differently than your own. And you're going to encounter those perspectives regularly. And you may not always see eye to eye, but you also learn how to disagree with other folks and do it in a way that's respectful and you know, makes space for continued discussion, uh, which is not always the way that these things go these days. So um, I think we got this question the other day from a prospective student about hard skills versus soft skills. 
And my thinking, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, Tim, my thinking is that for a lot of our students, you know, the decision to come back and get an MBA at this point in their career is about, it was a lot more about soft skills than it is about hard skills. You know, they're moving into managerial roles, leadership roles, uh, where things like communication, self-awareness, to your earlier point, the ability to think about other perspectives, that kind of empathy, I mean, much more critical to their success and promotion than, you know, running an Excel spreadsheet. And you're going to learn that too. But um, does that resonate with you? Does that, does that sound familiar? I'm no, curious. definitely. Definitely. Um, I think it's the ability to lean on your quantitative expertise and then translate that into, um, you know, figuring out a way to, you know, I mean, you have the ability to have these conversations because you know the subject matter and this continues to give you a frame of reference. So you have the framework, it starts to apply to more concepts than you can imagine. And I think the qualitative comes. So this is, this program meshes both and it's, it's a great way to pull you out of the weeds as well. And I don't know if, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I think one of the cool aspects is the ability to, if you're deep in the quantitative or you're deep in the qualitative, like we're, if you buy into this program just as much as, as you know, the program wants to buy into you, I think it's going to pull you out of those weeds and then, you know, try to meet in the middle and you're going to observe extremes on both sides. And that's the benefit of the class is that there will be a couple people who've already started that. And then they're a great, you know, point person to kind of lead the charge and making sure everyone does at some point come out of the weeds, but utilize all those skill sets you've built and uh, dropping some tools and picking up some new tools on the way. So what would be your advice for prospective students? Um, you know, obviously uh, I recognize you may have many pieces of advice, but if you know, prospective student was sitting here in the room with us and saying, I'm thinking about getting an MBA, um, what's your pitch as to Darden or what's something they should think about as, as they consider this next step? You know, I sat on this decision for quite a while. So reflecting on just my experience and what I might lend is uh, if you put it on a percentage scale and it starts to tip in favor, there probably isn't a right time. But I would suggest finding a place where you just feel that you can't say no, um, whether that's on grounds, whether that's meeting with the school, whether that's looking at their course material. Um, but really set out achievables, what you're looking to get out of it. And I think if you can clearly define that, you're going to be in a better situation when it comes to decision time. Um, again, you know, I think multiple factors probably push people to this decision anyways and weight them. And I, you know, it's expensive. And one of the things that, you know, I've been quite clear about, I think is I would never tell someone else to go to graduate school, but if you're at that point where you just can't get it off your mind, then you probably have a great avenue to go do something fantastic. And, uh, and I think it's, I mean, it's been life changing for me. So I don't know if I'm a great example, Brett, but. Well, you are on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, it's a good point that you make. I mean, if it's on your mind, you can't get it off your mind. The idea to go back to uh, get an MBA. And you're right. It's a significant investment. Um, 
there are so many ways to potentially kick the tires and to engage with this. I always, I encourage a certain amount of incrementalism, I guess, you know, have a phone call. Um, then maybe, you know, try to meet a couple people, you know, who got MBAs or maybe came to the program that you're considering. Um, you can always reach out to us if, if you want to catch up, you know, catch up with someone or speak with a current student or an alum in your area. Um, then maybe come to an event. Uh, whether it's a smaller scale event like a coffee chat or a networking dinner or a large reception, we do all kinds of events. And then if you come to the event and it's still resonating with you, but you're still not hundred percent sure. I think the thing that makes it really clear for people one way or the other is the class class visit. You sit in there, you see what the case method looks like. You figure out, you know, is this, is this a good way for me to learn? Um, and for many people it is for some students, it's not their preferred way. It's, it's conversational. It's discursive. It's a social learning environment in that, you know, you're hearing perspectives. You're maybe going off on a little bit of a tangent at times, coming back, but it makes space. And then if you get to the end of all of that and you say, gosh, I still think I want to do an MBA, you might as well at least fill out the application and just see how things play out. So we try to create a lot of opportunities for people to engage with this. You know, is this the right step? And we view our jobs as admissions folks more as counselors than anything, just trying to help people think through the decision. Uh, rather than saying one way or the other, it's ultimately an applicant's decision. Uh, and you did such a great job with me and my process, and, and obviously I want to thank you, and I greatly appreciate that. But, you know, furthering that point, the class compilation is something that I reflect on now as so unique and something that probably isn't talked about a lot, but compliments to you and your team because, you know, the ability to be around so many differentiated thought leaders, people who care and come from so many different industries. Um, it's really enriched the class and enabled us to have so many different dialogues that I think everyone can always take something away. There's always something to learn from, uh, from those conversations and, and from class. And so kudos to you and, and well done. Yeah, I'm uh, so glad that it, that's been the experience. I mean, it's certainly something we think a lot about as an admissions committee. I stress that with prospective students that we are thinking about you as a person, um, trying to evaluate your application, but we are thinking also about who you will be in a classroom, what kind of teammate you would be, how you would relate to your peers, how you would contribute to their learning. Um, and so that's a big question here at Darden. We may think about it less if we were a lecture-based school, but we're case method. And so uh, we always have to think about who you'll be in that classroom dynamic. So I'm so so pleased to hear that, Tim. Thank you. Um, so, Tim, one you know, sort of one last question here. Um, you know, as as you think about taking the next step, as as you know, you and Tyson collaborating uh, on the startup, and obviously you've got you got other people involved now. Um, how are you thinking about what success looks like? I mean, sometimes the runway can be quite, quite long. Um, it can be ambiguous at times. How do you navigate that? And how do you say, I think we're on the right path? Yeah, the easy answer is that if we can contribute to some of the diagnostic process for cancer, I feel as though we've probably had some level of success. Um, I think there are varied points within our, whether it's development or um, execution, that we probably uh, would also define a success. I think that for us, building a healthy and sustainable model, business model, so, and really understanding who we are trying to help at the end of the day, I think that resonates. 
And so if we can deliver a, a product that, um, that's meaningful and that we can impact some lives, I think that's, that's success for us. Well, Tim, I realize how much you have on your plate. Obviously you're running around trying to, trying to get this business going. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, and it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. Brad, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And that was my conversation with Tim Harvey. Again, a format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec. That's E-X-E-C MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.